quite possibly one of the worst liars ever. Uh, I, I don't attempt to uh, you know, tell the truth to Tara simply because I know it's bad to lie or because I think that, um, you know, any number of things. The reality is I tell the truth to my wife because I'm a horrible liar, okay? That's true. Um, there's other reasons, right? I shouldn't do it. The Bible says that I should be truthful, that I should be honest, and that I need to be made more into the likeness of Jesus. Therefore, yeah, okay, those are good reasons. But growing up, it was the exact same way. I always thought that I was really pulling one over on my parents. Come to find out, they were just extremely gracious people. And they knew I was lying the whole time. So, um, thank you, Mom and Dad. And um, so when I say I bombed last week, uh, you got to know this, that I'm not trying to lie, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, but before we start thinking, before we start thinking that uh, any of this is about me or that really any of this is about you, either let's just slow down and let's start where we should always start. And I'm not just being corny, I'm not just going to say the Bible, but if you have a Bible with you, let's go to the book of beginnings. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. If you don't know where Genesis is at... You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. No, if you don't know, it's right at the very beginning. <clears throat> I'm glad you all turned there because we have a lot to read. In the beginning, God created. Okay, you can put your Bible down. No, you can keep it out too. In the beginning, God created. That's where we're starting off today. This is for you and for me where reality comes from. Okay, what we actually know to be real comes from those first words of the Bible. In these words that God has given us, given to us, He shows us that He is truth. That He is the one that shapes reality for us. So that when we see in the beginning, God created. We know that everything that we're seeing started with someone that was there before anything else got started. Okay? In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, and we, we, know, the, we know the story, right? Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. He created light and He created darkness. And he created the sun and the moon and the land and the sea and the stars. And he created everything that was on the land and the sea. If you believe in aliens, the stars as well. And that's where it all gets started, okay? That is our reality. Now, I know as well as you that some people like to live in a different kind of reality, us included. And really, when we go against the truth, that's what we're doing. We're trying to make a new reality for ourselves. 
We're trying to set up something that isn't real as that which is real. Okay, let's slow down again for a second. You, some of you right now are thinking, wow, that was simple. Can we be done? All right, I, the reality is, Wade, that I would rather be at home eating, taking a nap, and watching Netflix. So let's go and do that now. You've made your point. Let's, let's not leave just yet, because there might be some of you that are thinking to yourselves, I have no idea what that guy's talking about. That's okay, too. That's okay, too. We don't have time to go through all of the creation story and what it means for us. We don't have time to go through uh, what this tells us about science and the way that we perceive things, although I would love to. Instead, we're going to keep moving, okay? And I want everyone to try to keep up with me or not go faster than me if you think I'm a slow person, okay? So everything in the beginning, God created He defined what is true. That's where we're starting out. But we also know what happened next, right? It's what we call the fall. And this is when um, our first father and our first mother, Adam and Eve, sinned. And what this means for us is exactly what we were just talking about. Adam and Eve tried to create a new kind of reality. A new way of seeing the world where they understood right and wrong, where they understood evil, that didn't turn out quite like what they thought it was going to, right? And beginning with Adam and Eve, we're just going to go slowly through a couple texts and see if we can find a pattern in the beginning here about what happened to truth. Okay? So, You don't have to turn there. I'm going to be going through several passages, but if you want to, I'm going to Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. And we know what's happening here, right? Um, Satan, in the form of a serpent, came up to Eve with her husband standing next to her, the husband that was supposed to be leading her, and watched an interaction go down with Satan, and Satan saying, Eve, look, this tree, you're going to be like God. You're going to get to make your own reality. You're going to get to know what's real and what isn't. And Adam's like, right? Here's what we see. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We're going to come back to verse 9 in just a second. Here's what happened. God created Adam and Eve in his image. In some way, we were created to represent God, to look like him. And when Adam and Eve sinned, and each time after that, when we sin, we continue to break this mirror that is supposed to be reflecting God's image. We're marring the image. 
Here's what happens in verse 9. But the Lord God called out to the man, why? Because he was in charge, and said to him, where are you? Why would God call out to him? We're going to come back to that in just a minute. If you want to turn with me, you can. You don't have to. Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. And these two brothers, you'll know them. Aislinn, my daughter, she um, understands that it's not right to kill her brother because of this passage. So that's a good thing. Although I fear, you know, if you have younger children and you start to teach them the Bible, there's a line in here that I just, I know it's going to come out of her mouth at some point, and I, I don't know what to do when it does, okay? Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And here, here's the line, right? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh man, I'm going to hear that anytime from Aislinn. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Okay, what do we see happening here? Um, Cain's father, Adam, when he sinned, what did he do? He hid himself, right? God, I hope you don't find me. What's Cain do? He just tries to hide the sin. He knows there's no hiding, right? His father taught him that, I'm sure. There's no hiding. I'm going to hide my sin instead. And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So we do this, right? We hide from God, or we try to. We hide our sin from God and others, or we try to. You don't have to turn here, but in 2 Samuel chapter 11, 26 and 27, we know what happened here too, right? Um, David saw a lady, and he thought, that lady looks nice. I'm going to take that lady, but first I've got to kill her husband, right? And here's what happens. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Right? David's trying to cover over his own sin. Alright, so let's see a pattern now. Okay? We're hiding from God. We're hiding from our sin. We're trying to hide our sin by maybe, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to make this right. I'm going to bring her into my home. What happens right after that passage? David's friend Nathan comes in and says, you've done what is displeasing to the Lord. You need to repent. Really, when God called Adam, where are you? He's not saying, where are you? Now you're going to get it. He's saying, where are you? What have you done? Come back to me. When he calls out to Cain, Cain, what have you done? Come back to me. David, come back to me. See, in each of these situations, um, these people in Scripture were taking the truth and they were hiding it. They were covering it. They were taking the truth that they had been made in God's image and that other people had been made in God's image and they were breaking it. 
This is what you and I do. And we try to cover over our own sin by hiding, hiding from God, hiding the sin, whatever it is. But the reality is that we don't, we can't do that. We can't cover over our own sin. And in each of these situations, not specifically each of these, but throughout the entire Old Testament, what happens when people sin or uh, stop doing what God wants them to do, or by and large, the whole world has stopped doing what God wants them to do? When we're unfaithful, God is faithful. Now that could just sound like something that I read on a coffee cup once, except for that's actually what we see truthfully in the Bible. Okay, What we see is God making promises when we break promises to God. In the Bible we call these covenants, um, but more specifically we see this happen with, it happened with Adam and then things went bad. We see it happen with Noah, we see it happen with Abraham, with Moses, with David. People are unfaithful, and yet God is faithful. God knows that people are going to be unfaithful, and yet God is faithful. God knows that we're going to try to cover over our own sin, and yet He knows that we can't cover over it. It's for this reason that God wanted people to get a picture of the necessity of blood to cover over sin, right? We see this in sacrifices in the Old Testament. But at a certain point, we could say in the middle, if you will, um, things started not going well. See, God had set aside a whole group of people for Himself and said, you're going to be a light to the world um, and you're going to live holy. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But what it does mean is that you're not going to try to cover over your sin. You're going to let me do that. You're going to sacrifice animals with the knowledge that back in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, when I promised that one day there would be one that would come and crush the serpent's head, i.e. the good news that you don't have to do it yourself, Um, you're going to sacrifice these animals remembering that in the future this is going to happen. Okay? Um, But here's what we see happening, and um, I'm going to be skipping around so you don't have to turn there, but Jeremiah chapter 5, starting verse 1. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares to see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth. There's our big word. That I may pardon her, not the man, the city. Though they say, as the Lord lives, yet they swear falsely. O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? You have struck them down, but they felt no anguish. Right? So, back here, like with Adam, like with Cain, um, Lord, you you called them out on their sin. You sent Isaiah, you sent other prophets, and yet they're not listening to you. You've tried 
to bring them back to yourself, and yet no one seems to be paying attention. In fact, they keep spreading the lie instead of the truth. Uh, But they felt no anguish. You have consumed them, but they refuse to take correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. Then I said, these are only the poor. They have no sense for, uh, that is, poor and, for they do not know the way of the Lord, the justice of their God. I will go to the great and I will speak to them, for they know the way of the Lord, the justice of their God. But they, all alike, had broken the yoke. They had burst the bonds. (laughs) Even the leaders didn't know what the truth was anymore. And then here comes a threat from God, if you will. Therefore, a lion from the forest shall strike them down. A wolf from the desert shall devastate them. A leopard is watching their cities. Everyone who goes out of them will be torn to pieces because their transgressions are great. Their apostasies are many. How can I pardon you? Your children have forsaken me and they have sworn by those who are no gods. Look here, we're seeing a complete reversal of truth, right? There's no justice, there's no righteousness, no one's treating others as though they were made in the image of God. No one is living as though they themselves are made in the image of God. They have spoken, verse 12, they have spoken falsely to the Lord and have said, He will do nothing, no disaster will come upon us, nor shall... um, nor shall we see sword or famine. And here's what the prophet says. The prophets will become wind. Or this is what the people are saying. The prophets will become wind, and the word is not in them. All right. So here the prophet Jeremiah is laying out all of this non-truth that is out there. Everything that is going against God. Who not only defines truth, but let's just say it. He is truth. He was in the beginning and always has been and always will be. So even though the prophet goes out and reminds the people of this, the people cannot see it. And they say, no, no, no. These are old folk tales and God, you know what he did? All he did was he came down and he gave us everything we needed to get by and now we're just out there on our own being victorious, being successful. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's not going to be fine. Everything's not going to be fine. See, like in Jeremiah here, when the truth is absent, um, we can say this for sure, okay? Because God is truth. When truth is absent, it is absolutely true that thoughts of And love for God is absent as well. And that might sound a little bit harsh. That might sound like big words and strong words. And that might sound like, well, you know, I had this one person in my life that lied to me. And, I mean, they were just doing the best they could. Yeah, except for they weren't loving God or their neighbor. Right? And we know this too when we lie. Why would we lie? Because we're not loving God or our neighbor, or we're refusing to think about it. We're trying to hide it, to cover it up. 
Really, I think from Jeremiah here, we see that we cannot be what we need to be, truthful, among other things, in our own strength. We also see that with this judgment being called down upon God's people, people that He has set aside to be a light, to be truth, to show His graciousness, to show off His glory, um, well, we see that God will be glorified. He will be. Um, his righteousness will be known, except for it's either going to be known by people being what God wants them to be, or it will be known through his judgment upon them. We can take our pick. Now, what are we, what are we talking about here? This is, man, this is getting heavy. Let's, let's be lighthearted about it for a second. You know, one of my favorite hymns actually says this best. So the people in Jeremiah's day, they were, they were in trouble, right? They needed help. And I think that one of my favorite hymns, which just happens to be a Christmas song, um, says it really well, right? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel that mourns a lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. This season of anticipation, I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, they could be read, they could be sung, it could be the worst singer ever doing it. And it nearly brings me to tears and it's since chills down my spine. Why? See, God's people, they needed a rescuer. They were anticipating a rescuer from Genesis 3.15 onward. Everyone, we need a rescuer. This time of year, we're celebrating the fact that that rescuer has come, and yet it is good and it is right to put ourselves It is good and it is right, (laughs) dominoes up here, to put ourselves into the shoes of God's first people, Israel. And we're going to get back to why that is in just a minute. Let's talk about the end a little bit, huh? Truth in the end. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. This is Jesus speaking. Believe in me also. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. We do? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, You would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know Him, and you have seen Him. Just as God 
presents himself as truth in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So Jesus, as we've been reading about in John chapter 1, but also here in John chapter 14, presents himself as that same truth. In fact, he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you know the Father is truth, you know that I am truth. If you know that I'm truth, you know the Father is truth. See, Jesus is truth and cannot be separated from the Father. Are they distinct persons of the Godhead, if we want to use technical language? Yes. So they're distinct, that is that they're separate, and yet they can't be separated. We also see here that Jesus is making a promise, right? He said that, no, I I have prepared a place for you, and yes, I am going to come back and get you. He's making a promise to all of his friends around the table. A promise promise that he says will be fulfilled. A promise that he says that he is the answer to. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says it this way, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Speaking about Jesus. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. So everything that we've been seeing at the beginning, um, the promise that um, we can't cover over our own sin and that we need someone else to do that for us, uh, the promise that God would do that in Genesis 3.15, every promise that God made to Abraham, to I could go through all the fathers, but Moses to uh, David, right? All the promises that God made. What are we seeing here? Jesus is the answer. He is the yes. God, are you going to fulfill your promises to us? Jesus, yes. He is the way. He is the truth. He is life. So, Come to a close here now, okay? We're, we're at the end, right? But what's missing? We're talking, we're talking about Christmas here. This doesn't sound very Christmassy. I have not sung jing, jingle bells. I have not done anything like that right now. Maybe that will come. I don't know. We'll see how the Spirit leads. Um, but <laughs> let, let's slow down for just a second. Uh, what, do I, what do I want you to take away from this morning? Um, what do I want you to take away from this morning? Uh, here's what I don't want you to take away from this morning, right? Ooh, man, God is truth. You know, you're going to be reading your devotions this week, right? The books, you're going to be reading those. And you're going to say, oh, man, God is truth. I'm seeing that. I need to be more truthful in my life with my family. I need to be more truthful at work. Yeah, of course you should be doing that, okay? (laughs) Don't try to skirt that. But that's not what we're taking away from today. That's not what we're taking away from today. I don't want you to take away that, yeah, I've got to stop lying, I've got to stop cheating, I've got to stop sinning. No, no. I, I, you know what? I just need to come to Jesus today. I need to have a come to Jesus moment. Well, that part's kind of true, all right? Here's what I want you to take away from today. If you're thinking all of those other things, I've got to say it, you're wrong, okay? <laughs> and it's okay to be wrong. It's absolutely okay to be wrong. Because I guarantee you 
that after we leave here today, just like I'm going to, you're going to sin. On a Sunday? (laughs) You're going to sin, right? Every time that we sin, just like with Adam, just like with Cain, just like with everybody in Scripture, like we see Nathan coming to David, being sent from God. Look, when we sin, this is a reminder that we are not truth, right? This is a reminder that we are incomplete, that we are a broken mirror that is not reflecting God properly. In fact, um, I, would, I would almost say that it's kind of like being stuck back in the middle with some key differences, but if I were to go back and look at Jeremiah 29, verses 4-7, through 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to, ba- Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. They may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Look, what we see here, um, even with God's first people, that uh, they were being saved. Just a different route than they thought it was going to be. They were sent someplace to wait. Just as we are someplace today waiting. So what are we missing? Strangely enough, we're missing the birth of a little baby. Right? And this little baby that is coming into the world to take away the sins of the world. This time of year, I don't necessarily want you to walk around and be all depressed, although I probably will be just because that's who I am. Right, Mark? Um, But we're waiting for something. We're waiting for a release from our sin. We're waiting to be rescued out of exile. That doesn't mean that all we do is wait, right? We plant gardens and eat their produce, and we continue on, and we do as we're reading here in Jeremiah. But the reality is that we are never going to be complete without the one who created us in the first place, without the one that we are waiting on. You cannot rely, you cannot rely on yourself to get closer to God. You cannot wait until you are a better truth teller to get closer to God. Neither of those things will probably ever happen. You will get lost in a maze of your own head, heart, your feelings, your sin, because we cannot get ourselves to God. And God knew that. We couldn't cover over our own sin. God came to us. And then he died for us, covering over our sin for us because he knew that we couldn't. 
Jesus did not come then to say, all right, I gave you everything you needed. I'm out of here. Right? He came to rescue all of us once and for all. And he is our only hope in that. I heard it said this way this week. I, I know I said I'm almost done. I promise I'm almost done. Uh, but I, look, I, I've used this line before, right? Um, and it's true, okay? It's true. Um, Jesus spent time with sinners, therefore I should spend time with sinners. Well, you should, or else you're never going to be able to share the good news with anybody. But when people say that as an excuse to simply spend time with sinners, here's the deal. You've misunderstood who you are. You're not Jesus in the story. Okay? (laughs) You're not Jesus in the story. Jesus is Jesus, and you're the sinner, and he's wanting to spend time with you. Okay. So what are we waiting on? We're waiting on truth. You know it, I know it. We are not truthful people. We both know that we are constantly trying to shape our own truth, make it look like and sound like what we want it to be. We do this on social media. We do it to people that don't know us well. Unfortunately, we try to do it with our own children and with our families, except for they know better. Okay? Jesus has come, and he has rescued us from that. And we're not waiting on a little baby anymore. But it is good to celebrate this little baby coming into the world as fully God and fully man. Because it's a good reminder to us that we are waiting on Jesus once again to rescue us. And this time he's not going to come as a baby, um, but he's going to come as a warrior. Showing off his righteousness through judgment. And so the question is, where are you at in that? Are you relying on yourself? Are you relying on a truth that you have shaped for yourself, or are you relying on Jesus? Let me pray for us real quick, all right? Dear God, you are our life-giving Father. Our heads, our hearts, our hands foolishly wander around, setting our hopes and our loves our desires on things in the here and in the now. And God, that shows proof that our hearts carry unbelief. That we're busy trying to make our own realities. And we know that only the Holy Spirit can correct and teach us in that. God, we know that your faithfulness is our only hope, our only portion, our only true joy, It's where we must find our strength. We know that you are the God that created everything, that you direct this world, and that you, Father, sent Jesus to save each of us and to make this world back into what you desire for it to be. God, I know that I myself do not come close to you in prayer as often as I should, but not simply because of laziness, because of storm clouds of doubt that cast a long shadow over my soul. 
and then cause me to look inward at myself for help instead of looking to Jesus. God, thank You for making us right. That is, declaring us righteous, justifying us through the person and the work of Your Son. Help us to rest in Him even when our old selves are pushing us back inside of ourselves. God, make the truth of Christ light up all the dark places in our lives. Comfort us with the truth that You have brought us close and that You have made us able to look up to You in faith and out to our neighbors with love. God, make us steady even though the storm may not come. Keep us on course with Your Word, understanding the way that You want to get through to us and to clear the fog of doubt. God, Your Son Jesus is truth and life in the way. God, we cannot be the end of the journey if Jesus is the way. And He is not our Redeemer if we're still working to save ourselves. God, just as You made us right with Yourself, we have confidence that You will continue to make us more like Your Son. Help us not to fight Your desires for us. Help us as we journey alongside one another, traveling toward a home perfected by You that You will bring us into Your perfect presence. God, we love You and we pray all of this in the name of Your Son, Jesus. Amen.